Good morning. It's good to see you all. And uh, are you a little bit glad that we're perhaps having a little bit of normality? Um, it's, been, it's been a different time. This is booming a bit. Tell me if you need me to do anything. Where's the mic? There we go. Almost. I'll have to, I'll have to talk quietly and softly. It's not going to happen, is it? <laughs> um, where to start? It's interesting how we can put ourselves under pressure. Um, I think the news, she said, Ben will bring an encouraging word this morning. So, oh, okay. Um, this is still a bit boomy. I don't know if we can do something about it. I don't mind using a different mic, but this, this is putting me off a bit. Um, and how much we can put ourselves under pressure. And, and, and something that happened quite early on, on the 27th of December, which got me thinking, and I really couldn't move past that. And um, I'd got an idea of my encouraging word. <laughs> However, <laughs> no. And, um, but I kept wrestling all the way through the Christmas time because it, it just didn't sit right. There's nothing wrong with it. And, and so this morning, I decided to stop wrestling and just to be at peace and just to start to develop some thoughts that I felt God had given me. So I, I typed away earnestly. So as, as some of you know, I get up early. So this woke me up at four. So by quarter to four, I'd got it kind of sorted in my head. I've been thinking about this. This isn't the way I normally go. I've been thinking about this for like a week or so. And then I started to type. And so I had to put it together and get the scriptures. And I really enjoyed that. And then I went to have a shower. And God says, no, it's still not quite right. There's just still too much there. So then I wrote that. So let's see how we go. Is it better if I use a different mic? Yes, no? Yes, no, okay. Okay, I can just hear this. So, scripture that God gave me, Romans 1, 16 and 17, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Amen. 27th of December, 7.40 in the morning, um, I, I'm going up the escalators at Asda. And I hear something over the tannoy, something that says this, now that the festivities of Christmas are now over, it's time to think ahead to Easter. <laughs> this week, our hot cross buns are down in price, six for 79p. I was flabbergasted. 27th of December and Easter. And so I did what we all do, and I had to tell f Facebook. Yeah? So I posted, unbelievable. Here we are, 7.40am on the 27th of December, and already... As they're talking about Easter and the hot cross buns, somebody posted, thanks for the info, Ben, I'm on my way. <laughs> somebody said, what, 
a one-person society, but uh, finally the commercial world has recognised the relationship between Christian uh, between Christmas and Easter. I'd missed that one completely. <laughs> My goodness, who is driving who? And then over the Christmas period, I got an email from the gym I go to. Now, about a year ago, I started my subscription on the gym, and it's the one just by Shirley Baptist. And they would email me all the time some really, you know, some re really interesting stuff about diet and how I should eat healthily and how I should balance that out with um, um, e exercise. And how the gym was only $16.99 a month, and I could do that. And I, I used to get them all the time. And then I got this one, and I said, however, life is busy, so you can pause your gym Membership instead of paying $16.99, you can pay a fiver. I've not had those emails for months. Then all of a sudden, I got one and I realized my regime Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturdays go to the gym and I build up a sweat. I try and run 5k. I do most times. Somebody said, Oh, you should run with my husband. I said, No, no, no. If you've seen me run, it's not a pretty sight. But over the Christmas period, I just missed a few. It got, I tend to go at 6 a.m. It's just that time and that space. And it kind of, I get up at 5 and it was Tuesday and it's like, oh, no, I'm just not going to go this morning. And I realised that the fact that I'd not gone on my usual routine must have triggered an algorithm in sometimes the gym thing to send me an email. Because they are deeply, deeply concerned that I'm no longer going to the gym and I might become grossly unfit. And then I realised that the reasons that they stopped all those helpful emails was because I started to go. As though now that I'm going, I don't need to be reminded that it's good to eat healthy and it's good to exercise. But you see, I'm being driven by something behind. They are fearful I might stop paying them the $16.99. I might want to think that the gym are deeply concerned for why I'm no longer going to the gym and I might become grossly unfit and that's not good. But no, they're worried that I'll stop paying the $16.99 a month. And they even say, actually, don't worry, life changes. You can pause it. Because, and, and we'll keep your price. You pay a fiver a month, you don't have to come, and if there's a price increase, you know, there's not been a price increase for years. Yeah? So it would be just as easy to cancel the gym than to pause it. But they try and entice us to keep going. We're being driven by things. If you go into Asda right now, who's been into Asda since Christmas? What are the clothes? Think of clothes. What's the first thing you bump into? Sales. Next. Sports equipment. Gym, gym stuff. Get, get fit. Get fit now because you've had the festive time and you've eaten a lot and now's the time to get fit. If you've actually stopped and watched some of the adverts on on TV, they're all about a holiday. Because right now, now, now you have that, we need you to start thinking about a holiday and we need you to pay now. And a bit like Black Friday, it's really, really cheap, but it isn't really. And then coming back to the gym, because we've just had Christmas and we've eaten too much, why have we eaten too much? Because from October, November and December, all they've done is told us to eat a lot. I mean, they have a plethora of different lovely drinks menus and lovely food stuff and it's all there eat more eat more we are being driven we're being driven whose agenda are we being driven on whose agenda
It got me thinking more and more over Christmas period. Who is driving who? Are we living our lives, carving out a path for ourselves, our family? What goals and aims will we set for the year? New diet, new exercise, new places to travel and see. We think it's all about us, but actually behind the scenes, it's a driven thing so they can keep us hooked in, keep us spending. But is it really me? Are these really my thoughts or am I being pushed a little bit like a zombie? down a path that I can't even see. What does this say? 1 John 2, 5 to 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, that the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of this world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Now don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with going abroad. There's nothing wrong with eating more and then needing to diet. But it's this cycle that we're being pushed on. And actually what sits behind it is this crazy thing, we, 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 we desperately need you to spend. Because if you don't spend, actually everything falls down and doesn't work. So we think that actually the gym, I, I'm fooled that the wonderful people at the gym have my best interests at mind, that they want to see me get a six pack. Actually, they just want my $16.99 a month. What's driving us? It just felt to me a little bit like this. The world, however we define it, the world is driving me and I hardly notice it. I mean, it's crazy that our whole world that we enjoy is based upon spending money. It's the only way our economy works. If we don't spend, everything grinds to a halt. So the motivation is to keep you spending more and more and more. With that in mind, I asked the Father what he might want me to share this Sunday. Lord, it's the first Sunday of the year. It's always a good time. People feel happy to be here for a change. A little bit of normal life has returned. It's not only that everything starts again, a new January. It's like a clean slate. What words of encouragement and feel good should I bring? Can I just pause? What Andrea did there with the children was prophetically deep. And parents, you've got a real opportunity to actually try and unpack that around the lunch table or the dinner table. We have actually our big evening meal on a Sunday in the evening now. That whole idea of it being rubbed out isn't there anymore. Yeah? And there's something very, very prophetic about that and there's a wonderful opportunity so when I asked God, he took, me, he took me to the scripture in Romans. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. And there was a sense in me as I prayed for our church, for our congregation, that actually this year God is impressing upon us not to be ashamed to be called a follower of Jesus that actually it comes from maybe the back of our mind. You see, we're programmed to be Greek thinkers. We think in boxes. And if we're not careful, God is just another box that we dip in and we dip out of. Our activity in church is another box that we dip in and we dip out of. Social time is just a simple another box that we dip in and we dip out of. And that actually taking my whole Christian life and actually presenting it for all to see. That God was saying, step, step out of the back and to the front. I am a follower 
of Jesus. We talked about this as elders, because you're going to hear that phrase a lot. You know, we're talking about being born again, being saved, becoming a Christian. And we just felt a follower of Jesus. Not that all those words are not right. Somebody said, they're in the Bible, Ben. They're in the Bible. But actually, a follower of Jesus. Somebody who seeks to live out and walk out the teachings of Jesus. Jesus in our lives. Where are we going? So, let's just take a look at Romans 1, 16 to 18. Ashamed. It's... It's actually quite a heavy word, isn't it? It's quite a heavy word. And I looked at the Greek for anything more and it just said ashamed of. (laughs) Yeah, ashamed of. And if you look in scripture where actually it used ashamed, it's almost like that embarrassment of what the Lord has done. Wow, and Paul's saying, I am not embarrassed of what God has done. And the sense that God placed on me is that he's calling us from that back to that front. I am a follower of Jesus. And I'm not ashamed to declare that, to say that, to speak about that. The gospel, the meaning here is the good news of the coming Messiah. The anointed one who is Jesus. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of Jesus. I am not ashamed of him. Why? Because it's the power of God. Dunamis. Dynamis, a force of marvellous works in the Greek it means. I'm not ashamed of Jesus and his message because it is powerful. It is the powerfulness of God. It's the power displayed of God. The force of marvellous works. To what? What is it? Salvation. To salvation. Salvation means recovery from illness. Recovery from illness. And and here in this context, we're not talking about colds um, or a broken leg or, or anything like that. Recovery from an illness. There is an illness deep in society and mankind and it is called sin. And it breeds And it breeds. Salvation is a recovery from sin. Amen. Amen. You know what? I am no longer a sinner saved. I'm not a sinner. I've been free. That nature is not within me. Now let's not go down with not I can recreate it. That's a sermon for another time. But when I'm recovered from sin, it's no longer my nature. It's deliverance from calamity. When you look at that, it means the judgments of God. We are saved from the judgments of God. We have victory over our enemies. No, it's not your arch rival at work. Although that's sometimes who the, the enemy uses. We have victory over Satan in our lives. Amen? Amen. So... Do not be ashamed of Jesus because he's the power, the force of marvellous works unto salvation. It is the recovery from sin. It is the deliverance from judgment and he's the victory over Satan. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. This is good news. This is good news. Don't get ahead. So 
Here's the reality. Salvation. We need saving. Actually, those of us are in here, the majority are saved. But it is an ongoing process. I, I was saved on, I am saved today, and it's an ongoing process of experiencing salvation. It's why I believe you can throw it away. It's an ongoing need. And there should be no embarrassment. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, then you need saving. And actually, I can get a little bit embarrassed about that if I really think about it, because it feels a bit awkward, because we live in a world and a time where you don't tell me anything. No, I decide what I need. You don't tell me that. And actually, I bet you thought, say, no, I'm not ashamed, but did did you feel a bit awkward? I've got to say that you need to be saved. It's what saviour means. You can't remove being saved from the word saviour. Oh, Lord, you are my saviour. Why? Because he saved us. He saved us. From what? There are judgments from God for the paths we choose. It's clear as day in, in the Bible. And they are significant and they are eternal. And actually, when we choose Jesus as our Lord, we are saved from the judgments of God. Amen. Amen. Doesn't mean we don't give an account for what we did and how we choose to live this wonderful gift, but we're saved from the judgments of God. Look at it. Look at it. And therefore then, actually, there has to be a recognition that there are judgments. And then we feel a bit awkward again. We feel a bit awkward again. And I think the last thing, and sometimes we can almost be embarrassed, it feels like, I'm sure not you, There is a spiritual enemy, and his name is Satan. And he's just as real as God and Jesus. And he's out there to trip you up. He's out there to pull you down, and he'll do it in the nicest possible terms he can. He'll come as an angel of lights, bearing good. We talk that God was good. It's God's standard of goodness, not ours. And the enemy will appear in our standard of what is good and declare that. And he'll get us focusing on that and not what God calls good. All of these things are met. All of these things are rubbed out, are either given or rubbed out when we choose to believe Jesus is the Son of God and embrace him as Lord. Do you know what Lord means? Supreme Master. The one in control. The boss. The big man, whatever you want to say, when we embrace him as Lord and Saviour. Julia, happy birthday. Good to see you. When we choose to become Anne, sorry, there had to be one. When we choose to become a follower of Jesus. When we choose to become a follower of Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. I read, I didn't bring one. <laughs> Rookie mistake. I read his word and I understand his heart and I seek to follow it out. It's not a list of rules, but when I realize what I've been given, I want to know what pleases him. It's as simple as that. And I want to know what upsets him and I want to stay far away from those things and I want to embrace him because he's good. He's good. I want to be a follower of the way. Just give me a second.
I just need to look and see where we are in these, in these detailed notes. We should not be ashamed of letting people know we, you and I, need saving. We should not be ashamed of saying that we live a different way. We choose to live a different way. Do you know, what we have to realise is that the source of the world's moral standards, if they were ever, are no longer based on God. Certainly, actually, let's just deal with the UK, because that's a bit easier. The UK's source of moral standards is no longer based on God. Some will question whether it ever was. They certainly would quote the Bible, and there was certainly a greater understanding but it's not where it gets its source from. But it still looks very much the same. I might even say it's counterfeit. But it looks the same, and it's driven by a lot of the same things. And they can nod and say a prayer in Parliament. They can have it based on a number of things like do not murder, which is a Ten Commandment, but I don't believe its source now is from God. And we need to realise that because there's a different way to live. Our source for guidance, for life, for direction, for everything is Jesus. So when I understand his heart and what he says, I shape my whole paradigm, my whole vision, my whole world, world view around what Jesus thinks, not what anybody else thinks. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a follower of the way. I don't think I got it down here, so let me just... Did you know that the early, in the early years of the church, people were called followers of the way? It's about a dozen or more times in the book of Acts. I didn't put it up here. My apologies. Acts 9, 1 to 2. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus. So that if he found anyone who were of the way whether man or woman, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. They, they, they recognised that they were different. They recognised that they behaved differently, that they acted differently. I use the word behave. It's not, it's not about behaviours. It's not about being good and, and, and coming to rules. It's about, oh my goodness, I love this person so much. Is this, is, is this what makes you pleased? It's not a rule that if I want to stay married to my wife, I don't sleep around. It's just not a rule. It's just not a rule. It's in my heart. I love her and embrace her so much, I've got no room to think of anybody else. Sorry. There's no room and space. It's not a rule. Met that one today, Claire. I'm doing well. Yeah, we're still good. We're still good. We're still good. It looked different to be a Christian. It still does. It still does. And our motivation and our source needs to come and does come from a different place to the, the world. So as we embrace being a follower of Jesus, what does this look like? inside the church. Now that's a bad term because instantly you thought about these four walls. What does it mean for us as we encourage each other as Christians? Yeah, these are not exhaustive. Let me make sure 
I'm on track with my detailed notes. This life demands everything. Let me just find the scriptures. This is a totally different way of living. It's not set on an agenda of man or on the agenda of the world. It's set on the mind and the heart of God. Who is love? So amazing. So divine. God is love. So amazing. So divine. That to even try and do what God has done for us justice. It demands my soul. My life. My all. And that is a daily, it's not a grind, it's a daily joy. What more can I bend to his will in my life? What more can I shape? How much more can I please him today? It demands everything of me. Why? Well, because the path is narrow and it's hard. And you know what? I think it's okay to say that. We have more to talk about than it's just been hard this week. I found it difficult, but we must not shy away. For, for a life that demands my all, we must recognise that it's challenging. We must recognise that it's difficult. And if we don't, we live in some make-believe that everything's okay. It's a, bit like, it's a bit like when you get a group of church leaders together and we all give an update, we all give the highlights. Everything's going really, really well and then one person decides to be real and goes, I'm finding it really hard. Nobody likes my preaching. Nobody comes. I do. Oh, lovely. That wasn't me, for example. That was just an example. You, can, you can come again. <laughs> the path is narrow. The path is hard. And we love that song, Cornerstone. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. My anchor holds within the veil. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Saviour's love. Through the storm, he is Lord, Lord of all. And you know, it's, oh, it, we find difficulties in life, it's busy, it's hard. How do we keep going? How do we make ends meet? I've got illness in the family. I'm ill. There's this, there's that. And there's all sorts of really good things that we find troubling and difficult. But I want to add some things to that that I don't hear us talk about a lot. Don't get me wrong. God meets us when there's trouble and difficulties in our families, when relationships aren't right, when we're separated. God meets us when actually we're finding it hard at work. God meets us in those things. But quite often what we don't talk about is I need help. I found it hard this week because I'm struggling with sin. I'm riddled with jealousy. What does the Bible say about that? I covet. I'm greedy. I'm struggling because at work it seems that you've got to be underhand and do illegal things to get anywhere in the business and I'm choosing not to. Or, or at work I stayed away from a social gathering because it was morally wrong and since I've done that it's like I'm ostracised. It's like people don't want to know me. I went for a promotion that I was bound to get and I didn't get it all because I'm trying to stand and live a good Christian life. It's been tough this week. Those are storms as well. And I think, I think part of not being ashamed and stepping forward is actually 
having more of those conversations. Where is it? Oh, okay, it's not there. I thought I'd put down. Part of it is about being vulnerable. What does it look like for us? It's being vulnerable. I'm struggling. So let me be vulnerable with all the um, personality traits that we, we do for, for leadership. I come out time and time again. I'm an extrovert, introvert. Doesn't seem to make sense right now and here. I'm as bubbly as life and I'll bubble around and I'll do whatever. Get me home and I'm exhausted and I want quiet and I want space. We had a wonderful time over Christmas. We had so much family over from America and from Australia. And with the run-up to it, it gave me nothing but social anxiety. And we laughed, but it robbed me of something. And, and I'm being vulnerable now, so you need to treat this delicately. And Claire but Ben, it's my family and it's my sisters. And we haven't been together in the same room for seven years. This is important. Oh man, absolutely. But man, it gave me anxiety after anxiety after anxiety. My head can sometimes literally ache with small talk. My stammer gets worse and it's hard. Now, you may be able to recognise all of that. You, know, you may be saying, Ben, you know, we can all struggle with that. But the thing that wasn't right is it gave me anxiety and fear and trouble. Lord, I found it hard this week because there's something in me that I need to be set free of. I need to not be like that. And there were times when I just withdrew because it was just sensible. Yeah. But I don't want to be like that. I need to be in an ecclesia who I can talk to other people with and share that and say, can we pray together because God doesn't want this in my life. This is what actually not being ashamed of the gospel looks like. It's a vulnerability that says, I'm struggling. This is not me now, this is somebody else because people, oh no, no. It's an example, because people say sometimes you don't make it clear when you're going from you to an example. But maybe somebody else, I'm just riddled with unforgiveness. And it's eating me up inside. It's a storm that I need to deal with, that I need to go through. It's partnering with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to move on quick. We can't do this alone. It, it demands too much. We need others to speak into our lives. It's part of being in an ecclesia and sometimes it's painful. And sometimes it is actually Fred removes the plank in his eye, which is an attitude that I'm right and you're wrong, and goes back and says, Fred, no, here's Fred, Ginger, <laughs> you've got a speck in your eye. We need to deal with the speck. We need to deal with the speck, not so I can feel high and lofty, but because it's just going to eat you up inside. There's a speck there. I see you're angry. God doesn't want you to be angry. Or over here, and just I just see, you know, you've just got to watch yourself sexually. It's not good. It's not what followers of the way are about. It's why God puts us in an ecclesia. It's why we need the Holy Spirit. And it's part of being vulnerable and saying, man, this life demands my all. What does it mean outside of the church? We look visibly different. We look visibly different. You know, I, my workplace is here, but imagine how everybody in my workplace, I think my workplace probably getting that. Actually, I can get a bit moody at times, and he Ben 
likes to withdraw. Imagine being set free of that and being the life and soul. And actually, when I start to walk into the room, there's a lightness as opposed to a heaviness. And people say, man, what has changed in you? Man, you know, I, I was with my church. I was with my, my triplet, and we just unpacked some stuff. And now I've been healed from what Jesus I've been healed by Jesus. Man, tell me more about that because you're a different person. You're not the measurable, grumpy man that I knew six weeks ago. What has happened to you? I've had an encounter with Jesus. You can have an encounter too. It's partnering with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit does the conviction. The Holy Spirit convicts those that don't know him. That those that, that, that need to come to a revelation, it's the Holy Spirit's job. I think we need a new approach. Or we need to add to our approach because people don't know the story. Five or six years ago during an Easter event, we did um, a survey, sounds a bit, a bit grand, but we did a survey of parents and kids. What was Easter? The closest we got to a, um, a spiritual answer was it was Jesus' birth because there's eggs and there's new life and there's new hatchings and, and therefore people don't know what Easter is about. People don't know the biblical narrative. So to speak to people that don't know as though they did is foolish. We're coming at the wrong point. We're coming at the wrong point. And therefore, why should anybody that does not know the biblical narrative ever choose to walk anywhere close towards it? It's a miracle of God and something within their creation when they actually align themselves to God's standard without knowing why. And 20, 30, 40 years ago, our evangelism, you've heard me say this, was all about, you know the story, Joe. You went to Sunday school. And you know it was kind of true, didn't you, Joe? And therefore, let's just understand why you left the story and let's get you back. It just doesn't work anymore. Now, don't get me wrong, there'll be somebody you know who that will. I'm saying we've got to have broader eyes. People don't know the story. There's a different approach. I think it looks like tolerance. I put that up to provoke because it provokes me. Tolerance does not mean an acceptance of what I do. That's acceptance. <laughs> Tolerance means this. Jesus was incredibly tolerant of people that had not chosen him as Lord and Saviour. Tolerance isn't in the church. Actually, and I got to this while I've been speaking, it's patience. Because, I mean, I'm not now talking about a difference of opinion as to whether or not you should have wine or juice for communion. Leavened bread or nice, fat, plumpy bread. Or whether or not you should meet on a Sunday or a Monday. Or whether or not, if you got a grant from the lottery, that's wrong because it's gambling. Or you believe that the Israelites took the Egyptians' gold, so it's okay. Those are what Paul calls debatable matters. Inside the church, our fundamental tenets of our faith should line up completely. It's not tolerance within the church, it's patience. While we now choose to see how we should live and walk out. Outside of the church, it's the ability or willingness. Can you go and collect your children if you've got any, please? Is that all right? I can see on the back. We're wrapping up now. It's not quite 12. Um, 
the ability or willingness to tolerate the existence of opinions or behaviour that one dislikes or disagrees with. We're not going to win people by simply pointing out where they're wrong. The world won't tolerate that. Who are you to tell me how I should live? Now, don't get me wrong, there are moments and there are times when that's right. Do you know what it usually comes out of? It usually comes out of radical love and care. Actually, when we demonstrate radical love towards that don't know Jesus, they start asking us why. Most weeks, it is 12, thank you. Most weeks at the community lunch, people want to give us money because they're uncomfortable that we do it for free. That we do it for free. And let me tell you why. He who gives a cup of cold water, every plate that you serve up, Anne, is done not just as a plate, but is done in the name of Jesus. For Jesus, because of what he's done in your life. Yeah, that radical love and care blows people away. We've got a high bar because you know what the early church did? The early church demonstrated that we need to care for people. And now, quote unquote, everybody is doing it. It's not a unique selling point. I know I've said this before. That's why our love and our care and our action to the unchurched needs to be radical. Why do you do this? <laughs> Let me tell you. I didn't think you'd agree with my lifestyle. Actually, I don't. But you've had me round to your house. We've had a meal together. Yeah, it, it's really not the most important thing to talk about. Because actually, what does it mean outside the church when we start to step forward? It means deep relationships with one another that wins us the right or the opportunity to declare why my life is so different. So this year, as I was praying over the holiday season, God said to me, Ben, it's about stepping forward. It's about being bold and outrageous that we are followers of Jesus. And that, across 130 people this morning, will look very different for your different circumstances. It's about declaring aloud, I'm a follower and walker the way. There are some questions for you to ponder and ponder them. Am I ashamed? Do I hold back? Where is it? You might not find anything. That's okay. These are not dictatorial statements. What does it mean for me to fully embrace being a follower of Jesus? You know what? One last point. God, God spoke very clearly through the evening prayer meetings. We used to have a strap line, belong, believe, become. And God said to us, will you let people belong before they believe? And it's a challenge for not only us as a church, it's a challenge for us individually. That's what actually reaching out in tolerance to the, to, to, to the unsaved is. Normally we want you to believe so you behave, then you can belong. And actually, am I willing to walk down? And, and, and actually, as a fellow image bearer, do you know we were created in the image of God? We'll look at that in a few weeks. But as an image bearer, whether you have recognised Jesus or not, you hold value. And actually, there's something that we can commune on. There's something that we can talk on. And let me share with you what God has done in my life. That can open a way 
for people to have a revelation of who Jesus is. Belong, believe, become. Heavenly Father, just as we start this year, let us not be tossed around by other people's agenda. Let us not be pushed down a way of thinking by what the world wants us to say and do. But let us bring you front and centre into our lives. Let us step into the light and bravely and boldly declare, I am a follower of Jesus. In your precious name, Lord, would you work this through us and in us, knead us like leaven so it goes all the way through us in everything that we do. I, we are followers of Jesus. In your name, Lord, we lean on you. Amen. Bless you, Andrea. Amen. Thank you, Ben. Bless you all. Tea and coffee is served in the lounge, which is just through there. Have a good week. And the sign-up desk will be there too. Thank you, Audrey.